Hello, my name is Sir Knight, and I'll be having a conversation with Noah Foster for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on experiences of trans-identifying people. Today, it is January 30th, 2020, and this is being recorded at the Brooklyn Community Pride Center. Black Trans TV has teamed up with the New York Public Library to ensure that Black POC folks of trans Gender nonconforming experiences are archived as well. Noah, we're so happy to have you here to share your story. So let's start off with telling the people a little bit about you, where you come from, and things of that nature. Hey, I'm Noah. Um, my pronouns are they, them. I am 25, uh, Leo, sun sign. I'm from New Orleans originally, so uh, from the South. And generally, I consider myself an artsy person. I like art and design. That's like the things that really like drive me um, and what I'm passionate about. I also love animals and random things <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, so my early life, my childhood, it was, I guess, like a, I don't know. I won't say typical because what's really typical, but I grew up adopted as I was a child, a baby. Me and my brother, we're twins. Um, so... You were twins or you are twins? We are twins, <laughs> yes. I have a twin brother, same as Chase. Sweet. Um, and so growing up, like, things were pretty good for, for the most part. Um, aside from, like, being in the South was a little bit different. Like, being here in New York now, it's, like, very culturally different. But I enjoy here a little bit more than there. Um, but childhood, had my mom and dad um, raise us. You know, things were pretty well like we had it pretty good considering you know being black and in the south of course there was times when i started to learn my sexuality was not straight and that started to make a like a rift in our relationship but me and my mom really like we've always been very close but in that moment around the age of like 16 is when things started like i started to say that i was like bisexual um and it was still like hard for her because she wouldn't really talk to me about it. Like face to face, we would she would just like send me voicemails or slip letters under my door. And, you know, just obviously it made me feel like a bit of an outcast. And I also was raised Catholic and I went to private all girls school. So <laughs> all of that, you know, hitting me and I'm still like not even sure about what gender is. Like, you know, growing up, you still think, Oh, it's just binary. Until I started watching things like YouTube. And then I started to learn like, oh, transgender is a thing too. I mean, it's still like a word that, not necessarily I go back and forth with, but like being non-binary is like a whole nother thing too. But at that time I was still like, okay, well, that's maybe a thing, but I just pushed it to the back of my head. And then as I you know, got to college, I went to an art school, so I had a lot of opportunities to like meet other queer people. At least when I was growing up, I didn't think I had that around me. Everybody around me was like talking about boys, and I was like, mm, okay, well, I don't know if that's necessarily like what I'm 100% here for. So that, you know, informed me of what one way of living could be but as i try like i went to school in savannah georgia and i mean it was still the south but like 
it being an art school, like there was people from all over the world that went to that school. So I like encountered so many people, you know, and I feel like it was very much like a monolith that they wanted me to live in the South or at least in that very like religious black mentality. And I'm not trying to shit on it, but like we all know that it kind of just wants you to be this one way or this other way. And so then when I moved to New York, it's like things very much open up my eyes, like just people walking down the street, like being themselves. And, you know, of course there's that in the South, but I think there's a lot more fear in, in doing that because there is people that will say, call you names, you know, like it happened to me and I wasn't even super outwardly queer to what I knew in Savannah. And it's like, I was just walking down the street and this person just said the F slur. And I was like, was that for me? But I was the only one walking down the street. So things like that. But yeah. In terms of growing up in, in Savannah, Georgia, you said, did you ever see a reflection? Well, I grew up in New Orleans. Oh, I'm sorry. New yeah. Orleans. Um, did you ever see a reflection of yourself? Like, did you ever see someone who you're like, wow, that's... I mean, I did see a lot of, I guess I could frame it as like, studs or like lesbian masculine okay. people but my mom would always make sly remarks like oh i can tell that's not man look at their neck they don't have an adam's apple just mm-hmm. things like that and i was like what you know yeah. like i distinctly remember we were at having dinner at a restaurant and she said something like that about like she couldn't really tell if that waiter was like a man or not. so yeah. i just had like a negative like viewpoint of these people and of course i'm definitely have said some homophobic and transphobic things being that that was my environment too Mm -hmm. but here i am a trans non-binary person so it's like there's no excuse to unlearn for sure too but i guess um in terms of community you didn't find community out there no because like it was more so just like i guess you could have a you could feel out like okay this person might not be straight but it wasn't necessarily like i would go to a queer and allies meeting that wasn't until i went to college when i had my own free will because i really felt like i was just living under my parents roof and literally my mom would have like a monitor on our phones and she would be able to read i don't know how much but she'd be able to read things and that was how my identity my sexuality came out not through me telling her, but through her reading things. And then she got upset. And it's like, well, you didn't make me feel like I could tell you. We were raised so, like, Christian Catholic. It's like, it was never said that it was negative to be queer, but it was also just like, I just knew that that was in the back of everybody's minds. So, no, I didn't have any community until I got to college. So would you say that you felt peace and joy and freedom when you got to college? That you yeah, never a little felt bit. before. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a trans friend too, like okay. this trans girl. She's kind of like walked up to me and just started talking mm-hmm. to me. We became friends for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she is now, but gotcha. that and she kind of saw me in a way that I didn't see myself too. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, okay, so you do see me as this other person, even though I may not like a hundred percent see in me and i also started binding in college although i was using my parents money but that was (laughs) i just had to find my way to get it onto another type of card and buy it and that was like really affirming just uh, describe binding the process binding binding. um so really it was through youtube that i discovered how it happened and i saw these trans people mostly white to be honest but you know okay uh wearing binders from like uh 
underworks, which I didn't really love, but it's just to compress your chest if you're if you have uh, boobs or if you're assigned female at birth, whatever you want to call your stuff. Uh, and so it can be uh, harmful if you don't do it right, of course. That's why I chose to get a binder. Although it was still restricting because it was like a whole torso binder. It wasn't just like the top part. Yeah. So that was a whole thing. But it made me feel good because mm-hmm. like I never saw myself with a flatter chest. And it just gave me a little bit more of a masculine um, aesthetic that I liked. So I kept that up. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> and you said you met a friend when you were in college um, and she saw you. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit about how it feels to be seen? When yeah. You, you don't yet see yourself. I knew of like terms like BOI, boy, that I actually identify with now. But I just, I would, in my head, I thought it was just a person who was like more androgynous. And I was still trying to come into my aesthetic because when I was living with my family, I had to wear what my mom bought me. I couldn't just like, oh, let me go wear these baggier clothes or whatever. So when she like would say things like, oh, you look like such a cute boy and things like that. It was just like, wow, okay. Uh, I think that is what I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that progressed into, I guess, me like really questioning my gender because she was the person in my life at the time who was like not conforming to what was assigned to her at birth. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And so that made me feel really good. That's awesome. And I want to go back to family life, early mm-hmm. childhood uh, a little bit. So you're raised in a household. Can you like lay it out like mom, the whole yeah. structure? Like who um, was in the house with you? My mom, she's a Creole woman from New Orleans. Okay. My dad's a black man from Texas. So, you know, real Southern house. My brother and I, twins. Um, we middle class, you know, my mom's teacher, my dad, he was working for like a newspaper, things like that. So growing up, we, we had a pretty nice life. I can't really lie. Like things were pretty good, but it wasn't until I guess puberty and all this, I don't know. It's like things just started shifting around and, you know, attitudes start coming out and lashing out and all, you know, so many things happened in my childhood, to be honest. Like there were moments when I was fearful because there was a time when my brother was, I guess, doing drugs and things that, you know, just made him lash out more when he was coming down. And so that affected me. And there would be times when, you know, things were being broken in the house. And that was like traumatic, you know. And sometimes I don't even be thinking about it. But it's like, damn, okay, that is trauma. Uh, yeah. So yeah. in those moments, I just felt really like fearful. And I don't know, you know, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And in terms of puberty, so yeah. you say you have a twin brother. So how did it feel to be assigned female at birth while navigating and trying to figure out your body and yourself while having a brother with, a, I guess, a more of a presentation, a masculine presentation mm. that you would desire? Like, how did you feel? Well, actually, I mean, okay. at that time, I really wasn't even okay. thinking about it. Okay. Like, I, I hadn't really come to that realization. I guess I wasn't exposed to, like, all the knowledge of, like, queer people and trans people. So I really didn't even know that it was a thing to be queer, trans. I just knew gay, lesbian, and then everything else is, like, very bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they say. So... I mean, growing up, it wasn't so bad. I mean, I was, I remember one time, this is very random, but it was like, my period may have come and I was like, oh, there was blood in the toilet. My brother, I told my brother, I told him and he was like, what? <laughs> and I don't know what, 
<laughs> I don't know, but that was just some random thing that I just remember. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't envious or anything like that. I just knew, okay, this, this is what I have to go through, I guess. And if I had the option at the time to maybe go on puberty blockers, maybe I would have. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like being socialized the way I was as a girl in quotes, like it does like inform you of the fuck shit that mm-hmm. the opposite goes through too. So I appreciate it. I don't, I'm not like upset. In terms of identity, so you said that you weren't really questioning in early childhood, yeah. per se, and you're just, like, going through what Yeah, was oh, it was right? like, people would say, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And I would just be like, no, 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 and that would always be the question, you yeah. know? But after a while, they would stop, because I always say no, and it would just be, like, things like that, where it's like, I'm, I'm not telling you that I'm queer, but I'm also not telling you that I'm straight. Gotcha, so, like, gotcha. Dismissal of the question. Yeah, I never really, yeah. I never really came out. Like I never just said I'm little, until I started identifying as trans and queer and, and, and non-binary. And when did that happen? When did the shift happen when you actually started to identify yourself? Um, I want to say probably like when I was twenty-two, okay. and I'm twenty-five now. So like okay. a few years ago. Okay. Really, when people, more people exposed me to the knowledge of these words. I mean, trans. I knew. But it still didn't feel a hundred percent me, and it's not to say that I need that that label, but it does help finding other people like you or with similar like understandings about gender. So that's where that happened. It was here in New York actually, but okay. And and speak about that. So in terms of finding and identifying your gender and finding community, like talk about that a little bit. Well, when I was in college, like, of course, I did have queer and a trans friend. And eventually I moved here and I lived with two gay men, but they were all black. And being with them, like, it did open my eyes a little bit. But, you know, still the queer part was a little bit missing. Mm-hmm. And I did go to Tinder and I would start dating around. Now, I'm still identifying as, like, uh did I say I was queer? I probably did say I was queer at that time, but I was still using my, my old name and pronouns were still not the ones I use now. So it was still like questioning. But I found like with engaging with other people, like I still expose myself to more like more opportunities of me like unlearning what I thought was in the past, like binary and realizing that, you know, you can express yourself anyway and still use whatever pronouns and gender and that's still something that people struggle with nowadays, but it's like, I constantly am trying to tell, like, my brother, oh, you can't just assume what somebody's gender is just because they dress this way, you know, or pronouns or anything. It's just, you have to ask or just, I don't know, approach it in not so gendered way. Sure. So sure. trying to find community, it was just really, like, virtual, honestly. Instagram is, like, the way, <laughs> especially nowadays, but back then it was very much, like, my only way. Going to parties, queer-centered, black POC parties, things like that, help me out, too. And then how have you found community online? Because I know that you say you say Instagram. Yeah. Did you ever go to YouTube? I know a lot of people say that they found resources through YouTube. I mean, YouTube so, I did. Um, as far as, like, knowledge of, you know, safe binding practices or, I don't know, how to make your facial hair more prominent with makeup. Or something like that, you know? But 
I feel like it's very, very, very mainstream on YouTube, and I feel like Instagram is a little bit, you can be a little bit more, like, social and interact with people, like, one-on-one, mm-hmm. whereas YouTube is, like, millions of people see those videos or thousands, and I don't know. I feel like, the, me, I love Instagram, and I always have, so it's just my go-to app, always. Mm-hmm. So, with also using hashtags now that people follow hashtags, that helps me, too, and I realize that people follow them and follow me and I don't know them at all, but it's like, okay, I guess you really fuck with what I'm saying, you know? So that that's a big part for me. Yeah. Um, and in terms of your identity, how does being trans, non-binary um, relate to other aspects of your identity? Is it the most important aspect of your identity? Or what would you, you know, think about the intersectionality of being black yeah. and being trans? So, you know, talk a little bit more about that. Um, I mean... Also, I am half white, so there is another aspect of it too, just like not feeling black enough sometimes, not feeling trans enough sometimes. And it's like, at the end of the day, I just know that I really think that like you have to look at the person as a whole being and not just like, I'm this one entity. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of times we do focus on our transness, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's important, like you said, for people to see us as human beings that fall and get cut and bleed and have joy in life and not just turmoil you know and obviously being black has that part too like okay it's like i'm constantly feeling like i'm down about something but you know having to remind myself that this life experience isn't all negative and how would you say that your understanding of gender sexuality has shifted since living in New Orleans to now living in New York City. <laughs> oh, definitely different. Like I said, I thought it was just you were gay or lesbian because mm-hmm. that's all that I really heard. And it was all negative. So to live in a place where it's not seen as something negative, to date people who, you know, see you, like truly see you and use your pronouns and don't trip over it or call your genitals what you call them, not what they think it is or just anything you know like standing up for you when you get misgendered or something and maybe you just feel uncomfortable and don't want to do it you know things like that where it's like when i'm back home i feel disconnected a bit because it's like i left this place because i wanted to experience what else was out there you know and i don't know if i would have stayed there what my ideas would be like but i also do know because my brother has lived there for most of his life and we talk all the time, and there's disconnects all the time. Like, I always have to, like, rein it in, like, but you can't say that, or maybe you should try to say this. So I know that I'm grateful to live here. And that, yeah. And what do you love the most about New York City? Um, I love the most about it that there's just so many people with so many, like, ideas and brain power and just like artistry and I just love connecting with people being a Leo like I do love that part of just like I feel like I can just stand around and someone will just walk up to me and just start talking to me like that literally just happened the other day I was just standing outside and this woman just started having this full-blown conversation with me and I'm just like okay I'll just continue to talk you know I don't know you I don't even know your name but cool and I just like connecting with people so this is definitely one of the places to be. What's the hardest thing 
about living in New York City? Uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, there's a list. Like, rent? Oh, <laughs> no, but I think the hardest thing is just, like, for me, the hardest thing is, like, I do have to get over my fear of, like, going out into public. Even though I love connecting with people, it's, like, I do curate where I go because I don't want to, like, I don't, I just don't want to be in a situation where it's like all these people are assuming what I am and I'm, that's not who I am. And so I do find myself trying to go into places that I don't normally go to, you know, just to go out because I don't want to just be in queer spaces only. Mm-hmm. Like there's life outside of our bubbles, mm-hmm. but I do. Yeah. I have that anxiety of going outside sometimes. What what comes of that anxiety or what comes from that? Like, why are um, you so anxious? I think being on T has shifted, like, obviously the way people treat me and how people interact with me and being non-binary is, like, a whole other thing about it. It's like, well, I'm not a guy, but oftentimes people do see me that way, so then they'll not hold the door open for me or not hand me my bags when I'm checking out or, you know, I'll say thanks and they won't even say anything back or just things like that and it's like damn but you don't even know me you know so i don't know just socializing but that's why i appreciate having queer people in my life mm-hmm. to like remind me that i'm not what other people say i am true so who do you hang out with um what community have you built while being out here i mean i find a lot of the community that i hang out with is like people that i either have connected with one-on-one just through like mutual friends or events that we go to whether it's like something that you sit down and have conversations or you go to a party um and just reconnecting on instagram that's like the other way to like really like for me to rein in the friendship and then if we keep communicating on instagram it eventually it will turn into okay let's go hang out at this party or let's go hang out and do that you know, not just parties, but yeah. Well, speaking of parties, where do you party? Who do you party with? Are there anybody you want to give shout outs to? Say, I love these parties. Oh, yeah. Great parties to go to in New York City because we want people to listen to this. And if they do visit, mm-hmm. then they know who to reach out to on Instagram or stuff like that. So, well, yeah. Joy Day Party, okay. of course. Okay. Um, I do. Uh, let's see. Joy, really, Joy Day Party. I mean, there's Metaden has like always has events there, so that's like a great place to go to for black and POC specifically. And a lot of times it really oh, there is a new party it's coming out, a Ratchet Realm, mm. which Jewel the Gem, you know. Yeah. Uh so things like that. I haven't been, but I'm going to the next one that's coming up. So catch me there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just I kinda really just find a lot of things on Instagram or just by word of mouth. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you see yourself in this moment of an increased trans visibility? Since you said that there's a lot more events and parties to go to here in New York, how do you see yourself fitting within that, you know, this extra visible bubble that we have, especially yeah. in New York City? Where do you fit? Where Where's Noah? Yeah. Where do I fit? Um, Like, what work are you doing to help other people be visible? Yeah. Or, like, how you engage with folks? Yeah, I do. I do find that my page is probably becoming more of like 
an advocation or a, I don't want to say activist, but like mm-hmm. I do advocate a lot for trans people and black trans people on my Instagram. So I'm thinking really deeply about just having it be that. And also like the graphic design that I'm doing with my career, like it's kind of more so getting towards like a more radical activist standpoint of like infographics that explain things about just like social justice and things like that but in a way that's digestible so like that's that's kind of where my my personal work is going towards too just like advocation and activism and i've really fuck with that mm-hmm. just being like with trans visibility there's still endless crimes and murders happening so it's still important for people to talk about things just because it has been said doesn't mean that it can't be said again, you know. Mm-hmm. In terms of active activist work, um, how do you propose that we, I guess, continue to say the names of you know the women that have been murdered, the people that have been murdered, um, that are in our communities? Like, what what is what are some things that you know you think that we could do to better promote that their lives don't go in vain? Yeah, I think. I like what the Marsha P. Johnson project does Mm -hmm. and how they have like curated their page to where it has pictures of the women who've been killed. The Institute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Institute. Yeah, Yeah. and I think things like that would help like really to where people can also just share it Mm -hmm. and not have to type it out every time Mm -hmm. because that can be emotionally exhausting and just like physically because it's happening rapidly unfortunately like i do feel that having pages dedicated to you know not just the downsides of what could happen but the upsides of being visibly in trans mm-hmm. so you mentioned marsha p johnson institute and other pages that you are you know i guess have affinity towards on instagram um there is like salty world Mm -hmm. i appreciate like that they have stories written by people who are writing like you know if you're reading a story about queer trans person a queer trans person's writing it or just anything i also appreciate um there's a page called them's health that is like basically saying fuck the binary we're just gonna talk about your health and we're not gonna have it in this very gender way talking about genitals and just bodies and all that so i like pages like that that are advocating for like reframing the way we talk about bodies did you ever see yourself becoming an activist no but (laughs) i mean i don't know if i would necessarily call myself an activist but i do think that i like to stand up for people like me and if that is what it comes to then so be it you know I do like to talk, so there's that part. Do you feel like it's our responsibility as people of experience to do the work to advocate for ourselves, or do you feel like people that aren't like us need to do? I think it's both, you know, because to be a human being and to want uh, good for humanity is just for all people, regardless. I mean, now it's not to say that there should be like a white uh, uh, <laughs> cis het white pride celebration. I mean, you have the world in your hands, but you know, just advocating for people who don't have as much as you, and like understanding that that we're not saying that you're just a bad person, but like you have to understand 
there's shit that we just don't even have. Like, it's called equity. Mm-hmm. And so, before you get on your, you know, soapbox about what, what's unfair, like, just think about it. I literally, this is a whole another like, side topic, but I was on my way to Philly during the end of November, which I won't call giving. But anyway, um, <laughs> I was on my way, and I ran late, so I had to get the next bus, and I sat next to this white man, and at first it was all good, you know, we're just chilling. It's a packed bus, there's probably, like, maybe a seat or two open, and it's cold, so I have this big-ass coat, you know and he just starts nudging me in my side. And I just kind of ignore it because I'm like, whatever. I guess he's just adjusting. But it just goes on and on and on. And he starts saying it's unfair. And like, why, why can't you move? Or like, I don't have any room. And it's like, dude, you're on the outside of this. Like, you're man spreading. And I'm up against the wall. So it's just shit like that where it's like, I don't even know if this is because I'm black or because I'm fat or because I'm queer. I don't know. But it's like, this... That shouldn't even be happening. Mm-hmm. A whole another white person switched their seat with him and apologized on his behalf mm-hmm. because it was that fucked up. Like, people were looking and everything. It was loud. Mm-hmm. He was saying, what the fuck? Like, it was just insane. Do you feel like that happens often to you? Not to me. Okay. But it was just weird. And it was so... What was even more weird is that I knew it was going to be some weird shit and I recorded it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the audio, I recorded it because I just knew that this man was about to say something... Yeah. And then he acted like nothing was wrong. Like, he just switched the seat and he was just chilling. And then he got off before I did. Yeah. Like, why was that? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to deal yeah. with that. But I know that a lot of people, that's why uh, there's anxiety towards stepping outside. Because yeah. of things like that, right? And this is, like, very close encounters, you know? Yeah. We're sitting next to each other. And he's arguing with me. And I'm like, and I can't move. stays with you. Yeah. And the person in front of me is telling me I... I should just move over there, like, trying to make it better. But I'm like, I'm not moving. I'm not. I'm black. I'm here. I'm not moving. Mm -hmm. So, no, he moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And systematically, what are some, like, trans issues and policies that you feel need to shift to make the world a better place for people like us? Well, definitely bathrooms, Mm -hmm. because that's still something I'm struggling with navigating. Like, I've used the men's room. I can count it on a number of my one hand because I don't like going into restrooms anymore out in public unless they're just neutral. Mm-hmm. Me personally, and that's something that people don't get if they're not trans or queer, because they're just like, oh, but you know, if you gotta go, you gotta go, and it's like, but if I go up in there and somebody confronts me with anger or confusion, it could go from zero to a hundred, mm-hmm. and all I had to do was pee. You know what I'm saying? Things like that or how South Dakota just passed a bill about trans kids not being able to access HRT and blockers. It's like, well, that's clearly an attack. It's, I mean, if there's no health risks, why, why, why is that, you know? Things like that. That's like human rights. Like, I should be able to do what I want with my body without it causing me harm. If it's not causing me harm, why can't I do it, you know? Abortion laws, all those things, you know, very much related to trans people, too. Can you talk more about how that is? Because I think a lot of times people don't understand how abortion laws directly affect people like us. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, when you are assigned a certain thing at birth, or even if you're intersex, let's talk about that, too. Like, 
having a uterus, being able to have a child, whether you're a trans man, a non-binary person, uh, agender, what have you, like it still affects trans people regardless, period, queer people. And so when abortion laws are intact and they say you can't, it's like, well, what if there's instances where I do have sex with somebody that I love, but uh, I can't get an abortion because there's all this gender, also there's this gender binary into it too. And it makes you feel like you maybe you don't even want to go to this facility because they're going to completely misgender you or just, just also just human rights again, you know? So that, that's something that people need to just like unlearn, like, with the period thing too, of just like this, 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 this quote unquote female symbol is actually was referencing botany. It wasn't actually people. So like, that's not representative of what a person is. Like your womanhood isn't a female symbol. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've had um, about being yourself? Um, I guess just constantly having to remind people who I am and not allowing it to go by just like, oh, okay, they messed up that one time. All right, cool. I'll just let it slide. No, like you have to advocate for yourself because that goes to other people too. Like if I don't tell you that my pronouns are they, them, and that I'm non-binary and that I'm trans and you misgender me, you're going to also misgender my friends and people you don't know, especially. So I don't want that, you know, to be the situation. So that that's the thing for me of just constantly having to, like, bring people, rein people in. But I don't mind it because at least I'm helping out the next person. So. And what are some tactics that you learn to denote, hey, my pronouns are they, them? Do you just out the gate say my name's Noah my pronouns are they them or do you wear pins or buttons or what are some advice that you give yeah. somebody else I mean you know if if you want to be more subtle you could just wear your pins or just tell people who are your closest friends these are my pronouns um I'm trying to start doing that more just saying hey my name is Noah I use they them pronouns I have it in my email signature and my bio and Instagram and my website across the board so like you shouldn't forget but if you do yeah i'll tell you again <laughs> i used to wear pins a lot but now i just don't like how it looks aesthetically for every outfit so uh, yeah i also don't want holes in my <laughs> shirts so there's that too but yeah have you ever been discriminated against because you are non-binary and if so could you describe a time or the times it's happened i mean that moment with that man on the bus is really unclear what that situation was about. So I do feel like there was some kind of misogyny, black, anti-black something going on, like transphobia, queer phobia, I don't know, all that going on. And maybe just in moments of like me telling people who I am and they just like, looking at me very confused or even just strangers just looking at me perplexed like oh never seen a queer before <laughs> you know it's like well damn i didn't even tell you who i am but why do you 
is it the highlighter on my cheeks and the the mustache that's throwing you off? I don't get it, you know? So it's just, it's very subtle instances. I can't really say that there has been a very specific moment. And I also realized that I've avoided traveling like via plane because of the TSA. And that's going to be happening soon. But I'm just like, shit, you know. But what fears do you have when traveling? I mean, I didn't even know that they had the buttons up until maybe like last year. I didn't know that they pressed a button and it was like pink or blue. And from there, they have whoever come up to you and pat you down. And then I also think, well, damn, that I've had moments when they do that to me often. And also when they just check my bag randomly and I never even thought that that maybe that's the reason. But now I do because it's like uh, all my shit says F and my dead name. But here I am with, uh, you know, goatee and mustache mm-hmm. and shit like that. So it's like I think that's probably the moments when I was being interrogated for being me. So what do you do to cope with that? anxiety that you have with going outside well, if, and if you're in the house what do you do i mean i try to go out with friends at the very least or really just channel my inner beyonce and just blast my music in my ears and just not fucking care about everything else that's going on mm-hmm. i try to zone out like that's that's what i try to do because there's goods and plus um, bads and pros and cons to new york and one pro is a lot of times people mind their business so mm-hmm. Like, that's nice, too. So I can just be in the corner of the train just jamming out, and no one cares. Do you often feel like you have to choose between expressing your gender identity and safety? Like, do you feel like that sometimes you have to adhere to, like, being a little bit more masculine in certain spaces and places or around certain people? Or Yeah, I do. I feel like when I'm with certain people, too, it's like if I'm with someone who is much more feminine than I am, it's like people assume that I am the guy. I'm the, the dude. I'm the the boyfriend or something. And it's like, well, actually, I'm very feminine too. So that's not necessarily, you know, my dynamic. And even when I was, like, at the time identifying as a lesbian, I still felt that way. Like, even the slightest more masculine person with the slightest more feminine person, people would just assume, mm-hmm. oh, they're together. Or, oh, that's gay or something. And it's like, no. So I do, but I'm also learning to, like, not give a fuck as much as I can to just, like, be me and not try to change up who I am or the way I interact with people just because I look this way. Like, there was a moment <laughs> during uh, the end of thing, uh, the end of November <laughs> where... Uh, someone's family member, a dude came up to me and he was about to shake my hand and I went for a hug <laughs> and it's things like that where I was like, oh, well, I don't care. Like, that's what I do. I'm not just going to shake every dude's hand because that's what dudes do in quotes because that's just not me. So I haven't really been trying to change up who I am and I would advocate for other people to do the same too because... Cold switching is uh, also very tasky. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> also, being black mm-hmm. and cold switching in workspaces is tasky. But so, how would you identify your masculinity and your femininity? Like, 
Or is it a 50-50 in you? Because I know sometimes... You yeah, I do think it's about a 50-50. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you just embrace both energies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I do. So I'm going to go back to your, your work, your job, because um, that brings you joy. So speak more about being a graphic designer, how you got into that, mm-hmm. and things that nature. Well, when I was growing up, um, I realized I could draw. So I thought that that was going to be what I would do for my whole life, just like be an artist. I mean, I still identify as an artist, designer, but drawing itself, I don't do hand drawings as much as I did back then. So when I went to college, I initially thought I was going to be an illustrator. And then I saw what my best friend was doing. And he was doing graphic design and more computer things. And I do like technology, too. So I thought that would be cool to combine, like, the artistry and then the technology and graphic design. Because graphic design, it is design, but it can also be art, too. So I just like the combinations of it all. And so I just started, like, you know, learning more about typography and just, like, logo design and all the the basics of graphic design when I was at SCAD. Oh, I guess I just name drop. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, and uh, <laughs> so when I moved to New York, I really loved the the street art aspects of it a lot, and so that really made me feel more like, oh, this is a great place for me to live. And so I started, you know, finding more art and design friends and people like me, maybe people who are also queer and trans, you know, and that. That's great too because we can connect on many levels. So, mm-hmm. and what would you say is one of the, I guess, most interesting projects you've worked on in terms of graphic design? Um. Well, I just recently, like, I guess around fall of last year, mm-hmm. was in contact with a group called the Radical Communicators Network, Radcoms for short. Um, it's run by Chanel. Can't remember her last name, but forgive me. Uh, Chanel. And she does amazing work with af- activism. Uh, and it's global, actually. So, like, for me to have done an infographic for her was, like, really nice. Also because she is black and queer, too. So all of that was, like, very much so, like, okay, this is... This is like my calling to be a designer and to also do the work that I did so that I can continue to activate. I mean, to be an activist (laughs) for anything, like not just queer and trans people, but, you know, like food, politics or or anything that relates. I think everything is interconnected, truthfully. So if you want to talk about one thing, you really have to talk about all the other things that lead up to it and then what comes after that, too. So for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and when we think about uh, community in New York, right, um, think about how it's interconnected in terms of your work. So you have naturally rolled into activism, even though you wouldn't say that you are activists, but naturally just being who you are is a revolutionary act, right? Yeah. So then the work that you do, finding your purpose, living authentically, you've able to build a community. Now you can figure out, oh, how can I work with you? 
You yeah. think it's important for us to work together and so we can branch out beyond this little bubble of, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I think that's super important. So I'm, I'm happy that you were able to do that. Um, I'm going to switch course a little bit, talk about healthcare and um, if you are choosing to medically transition, what that means for you, what it doesn't mean to you, and things of that nature. So um, basically, I want to uh, ask you your experiences with healthcare here in New York City. Yeah. Um, my experiences have been pretty positive. Okay. Um, I go to Aperture, so they already have their like understandings of trans people impact intact. So going there, like they already know my pronouns. I, like we had to go to this orientation sort of thing where they just like tell you what what this comes with and like what you can expect and like your healthcare providers and things like that. So I gave them my name, you know, not just what's on my birth certificate, which is like most of the time that's what it is at any other doctor and pronouns and just like gender identity and things like that like i feel really comfortable sharing my intimate experiences with my doctor because she's not going to judge me or anything like that it's just simple things like or even just like having to get my genitals looked at like that doesn't make me feel as uncomfortable as if i were in the south let's say because this space is already very much heavily filled with women and so it just already puts this taste in my mouth like shit this is how they're gonna treat me too mm-hmm. and getting tea was actually so much simpler than what i thought it was i don't know what i thought it was and what but was through that process i just yourself? i mean it was a time it was a long time coming for me to, to realize that i wanted to start tea but when i did i went i scheduled an appointment or maybe i even had an appointment i just talked to my doctor about it and then she just gave me this waiver and I went out into the lobby and I looked and I read it and I checked everything off and I signed it. And then I got my testosterone <laughs> like maybe the next week or so. Like they had to teach me how to administer the shot, um, which obviously like, woo. <laughs> but luckily, you know, I've at this point 10 months on T now. So I understand how, like what to do with my body and how to ease myself of that anxiety of oh i'm about to do my shot but the healthcare part like it's been really good to me to be honest well, that's awesome i mean because not everyone has the same experience yeah. so it's a blessing indeed and uh, i actually go to aperture as well um so i want to know five things you love about yourself i know we focus a lot on uh, you know the activism and yeah. the things you do for work but like tell us more about noah what does noah love about himself um well I've started taking more selfies, even though that's just a legal thing, but I love the changes that are coming with my body and like how I'm just constantly evolving. Um, Cause I just looked at myself one month on T like today and I was like, wow, I look a little bit different and my voice was different, like much different. Um, I'm a kind person, like a genuine person. Like I am loyal as hell like if i'm not then you really must have really fucked me over but i'm generally like just a really kind-hearted person like i'll always hold you down you know i'm just like a very happy go lucky person but i haven't always been this way like when i was growing up during the times of like my mom not seeing me or not wanting to see me I did cut myself and there was moments where, you know, self-hate was a very big part of my life. And now I don't feel as bad 
I have my moments, but it's not nearly as what it was then. So I'm just trying to like rein in this sun energy. You know what I'm saying? So just not trying to be in negative headspace despite everything that's happening in the world. But just remembering that there's people that love me and like me for me. What and that's some, important. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, what are some things that you do to love yourself? Um, I enjoy smoking weed. I do. Um, listening to the same five albums on repeat, probably. Um, what, what albums are those? Well, I really like Tinashe's new album. Okay. Although I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know Feelings is the first song. But um, I do love Beyonce. I like most people, probably. Alicia Keys. I love Alicia Keys. And just a lot of 90s and R&B and just very soulful, soul and funk, jazz, New Orleans, you know. <laughs> and just, I just enjoy, like, being around like-minded people. And it's just, like, an understood. We're just chilling. Like, we don't even have to go anywhere. We can just be, like, having good energy, good conversations. And that's good for me, you know. So that's... That's how you love yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Um, if you wanted people to hear one thing from you, you know, while listening to this audio, what would it be? To live authentically and to not allow other people's opinions whether it is good in their minds or negative in your mind like despite what their intentions are like just know that you have to live your life for you and it doesn't matter what other people think you know like there are times when I remember I would like I was starting to venture into makeup and I would go to somebody and be like oh what do you think about this but at the end of the day, I can't do that because that's not going to give me affirmations, especially if that person doesn't see me how I see myself. Like, oh, I don't think that lip gloss will look cute on you. But it's like, uh, well, I'm going to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that also fuels my fire, my Leo fire. Like, well, you think I'm not going to do it? I'm going to do it anyway. And I want to backtrack a little bit um, in terms of the relationship with your mom. I, I don't remember you speaking much about your dad, if you're comfortable. Yeah, I mean... It's just like naturally when you grow up and you're socialized as a girl to, for me, it was to just go to my mom for everything. So mm -hmm. I just would go to her for everything. Well, my dad has always been in the picture. We just mm -hmm. don't really, like we've never really talked about queer, trans issues at all. Like he met my trans friend in college and of course I had to give them a whole spiel of like, she's a girl, this, the, she, her pronouns, what have you, mm -hmm. etc. And they were... At that time, they were more accepting of things because, I mean, my brother is also gay. So mm -hmm. there's that, too. It's just like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to not accept both of us? Mm -hmm. I mean, you adopted us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's a whole other thing. It's like, so just having to rein that in. Yeah. So in terms of identity, I didn't realize that you were adopted. So this mm -hmm. opens up a whole yeah. new portal. So discovering you were adopted how did that happen when did that happen for you um it was like me and my brother we were about six or seven or so and it was just like a movie came on and the person was adopted and my brother was like oh are we adopted <laughs> but it was just a random thing that i guess it didn't you know my parents didn't think that was gonna happen and they just said oh, we'll have a, we'll have a conversation and then i guess 
they told us that we were adopted and and then later on they told us that we were half white and they showed us all these pictures of our birth mom she's no longer alive but um and then they showed us a picture of our older sister who's a year older than us and she's also mixed and then we have a set of twin sisters who are younger than us they're all white um so learning all that information of course that's very much so like eye-opening like wow and then it makes me it made me realize okay there are things about me that are different than my other black friends and sometimes i'll be like why are they picking on me or why are they saying the weird things about me like oh white you're white but it's like what the hell i'm not white (laughs) it'll just be some silly shit like that where it's like oh okay you really want to point out my differences here and um, your relationship with your you, you just referred to them as your parents mm-hmm. right so um your mom how's the relationship with her do you do you often go back to visit um like i used to go back when i was in college i'll go back every time we had the holiday break um being here you know it's a little bit further away i would try to go back for the holidays but it depends on like if i'm in a relationship and if i go with that person and their families or whatever but I haven't been since last year, but I do plan on going in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom and I, we have a really good relationship, but I've come to realize that she's still much a learning, uh, a work in progress because I know that I, I tell her, you know, my pronouns and my name and there's always moments where she slips up and I'm not mad. I just would like her to do it less. You know, <laughs> but not being around her is I know that's a part that it makes it a little more difficult for her to really like rein it in. But she also hasn't seen me with all this facial hair and all the changes that came with T. So there's that, too, because, like I said, I haven't seen her since last year in person. So and how, how do you cope with that? Like, how does that make you feel? Are you OK with not having seen her? In such oh, a I mean, of course, I would like to see her more, mm-hmm. but. I'm okay with it because, uh, you know, it's just like a love-hate thing with going to Nola. It's like, yes, I love it. It's a great place to be. Food, music, everything. But there's all these people in my past, you know, who still want to call me things I don't identify with. And it's like, but I I don't want to hide myself from them. It's just like, I have to be that person who's like, this is who I am. And I know you spoke a little bit about uh, the possibility of, seeing seeing someone and then going to their parents or their family and stuff for the holidays um how are you navigating um relationships romantic relationships today well i'm currently in a relationship with someone new Mm -hmm. and things are going pretty good can't Mm -hmm. lie they're also trans black so it's like that whole thing of like you already get me in a way like I don't have to explain my pronouns. We use the same pronouns. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It's just cute, you know? But navigating dating has been interesting, being non-binary, because a lot of times it's very binary. In Tinder, per se, per se, like, you still have to choose whether you want men or women to see you. And it's like, but that's not even how I identify. So that doesn't even make sense. Whether you can give me the option to put non-binary is just one step. So I found, like, there's actually an app called Lex, Lex app. And it's a dating app specifically for queer, trans, non-binary, et cetera, people. And it's very much flourishing in New York. And that's the app that I found this person in. So, Success. name drop. Yeah. <laughs>
so I don't know. Navigating dating has been interesting, but luckily it has not been negative. I tried Grinder for a little bit, and that was weird. So I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I hear you. Oh God! <laughs> but in terms of um, the community, I think oftentimes people that are not in community they see it as either lesbian or gay, right? Mm. So to be someone that is trans and gender or non-binary, right? How would you say you fit in? Like, do you feel like you fit in? I personally don't feel like I fit in all the time because yeah. being straight and being in a community it doesn't really align. Mm-hmm. So. Um, how would you say you identify and even as a person just of experience like how does how do you feel when you're in community do you feel like you're actually with community i guess um sometimes okay. like there are moments where i have conversations with some queer people and it's like <sighs> male privilege is a thing but it's almost like when you start identifying as like trans mask or or even something generally like I'm on T and people uh, approach me on some I'm masculine. It's like, sure, yeah, there is a privilege in it, but it's also like I have so much other shit that I have to navigate. It sure doesn't feel like a privilege to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like things like that where it's like I disconnect from some people because it's like I don't I don't want you to think that, oh, just because I present this way then that's just my entire identity. And I'm not going to say that that does grant me privileges. And if it does, I'm not using it. I'm not sure I'm not, but I, I understand, you know. So that's why I try to get go into spaces that are specifically queer, black, trans, center, because if it's not, it's going to be some, like, all women's or all lesbians. And it's like, that's, y'all, do y'all even get what the binary is? Like, you're living it? And you think that's the only way there is to live. Yeah. So I, I found that to be very interesting how community is super binary often. It's like yeah. we're here for the women, we're here for the men, and then everybody else or or if you are assumed to be a man or mm-hmm. cis cis passing man in a queer space, then we don't want you here because you're violating yeah. our territory and it's like, hold up, wait, I'm trans mask. Yeah. And like people don't ask the right questions. Like, how do you even go about asking those questions? Because I haven't even figured that part out. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just like a weird space to be in when the community that once saw you as one of them, you no longer reflect yeah. who they want you to be. And then it makes yeah. you think, oh, should I start wearing different things? Should I start mm-hmm. presenting differently? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to see me then? Am I not androgynous enough to be non binary? Like, what, you know? Mm hmm. And have you encountered that a lot? Like people wanting you to reflect both masculinity and feminine at the same time in order to quantify you as non-binary? No, but okay. I felt like it was implied. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, why are you wearing that? Uh, why don't you wear this instead? Oh, you know, just mm-hmm. things like that. Or why did you get your hair cut? What? Like, it's just... All these things is very much so why the contract of gender is bullshit because it makes people feel like literally there i just remember when i was in college there was a friend of mine who was like questioning why i wore panties because i identified as a stud lesbian and i'm like that is problematic mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and that's just but one of the reasons why it's just bullshit mm-hmm. but do you find power in accessories like makeup and jewelry and clothing? And I do, because Italian. ironically, I never really wore it when I was growing up. Because in my head, I think a lot of times when you start saying, I'm not that, I'm this, 
you have to just go full force and I like, have to be so masculine. I can't wear any makeup. I can't do anything like that. I can't wear dresses. I can't wear accessories that are dangly or glittery or just, and that was my mindset for a while. And then I just had to realize, well, I do like these things. And just because somebody said I can't do it doesn't mean that I can't. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go and buy this lip gloss that I, somebody told me I couldn't because I want to. Like, But a lot of times it's like, why are you in a space where people will accept that too? And that's a big part, like being in New York. Of course, I'm privileged. I am to be able to just be me most of the time. And not feel like people are going to bother me. So you're happy to be here in New York. Mm-hmm. And you found community. Yeah. You're finding love with other people <laughs> and through the app, Lex. Yeah. <laughs> we'll drop that again for y'all. Lex is the app. I, I, I don't use apps, but I'm, I'm all for everybody utilizing apps. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add to your story? You feel like we skipped? Um, or you just want to sprinkle it in there? No. I mean... Top surgery is one thing that I do want. Okay. You want to talk about that process of getting to the point where you know that you want to definitely do it? Yeah. Well, that's the thing that I have always known that I wanted and just needed Mm -hmm. and need. Like, I just feel that that's just going to (laughs) lift, literally lift some weight off my chest. Mm -hmm. But it just makes me feel a little overwhelmed thinking about all the money and, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm 25, going to be 26 this year what insurance is going to cover, you know, it's just all of these things. And I know that's a lot of, a big part of like, but keep some other people away. It's just like, it's not accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. So navigating it, I'm just trying to figure out like crowdfunding situation. That's just where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I did talk to my mom about it and she didn't want me to do it because she doesn't want my business to be out there. But it's like, mm-hmm. mom, I need people to help me out. Yeah. I can't go to everybody individually and ask them. That's exhausting. That's the thing about black parents. They want everything on the hush hush. Yeah. Like, do what you need to do, but don't broadcast it. I did a crowdfunding mm-hmm. for my top surgery as well. And um, my mom was like, you sure you want to put it out there? She's like, Because oh, my mom is really on Facebook all the uh, time. Gotcha. And it's like, I'm, I'm sure she doesn't want to see it. But it's like, I don't know. Are you afraid that people are going to talk about me? Because mm-hmm. at this point, I don't care. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like she's ashamed of you or... No, I just think that she doesn't want people to say anything negative about me. Gotcha. You don't don't give them an opportunity yeah. to comment. But it's like, well, they're going to say it, Mom. You know? Yeah. Just because you go to church with this woman don't mean she ain't talking about me behind your back. Like, you know. And also, I just don't know how she interacts with people mm-hmm. who bring up my dead name and other things. I think that she still goes along with it, which is unfortunate for me because I'm always happy to be like, well, actually, my name is Noah and my pronouns are they, them. And it makes it seem very confusing, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But that's life. Just learning <laughs> and unlearning. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to discuss a little bit about religion and how it played a role in your upbringing and where yeah. you sit now with religion or spirituality. Mm-hmm. Well, religion, I grew up raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, God was everything. <laughs> it wasn't forced down on me like it wasn't I went to church every day but I went to church every Sunday um and then I grew up in all these Catholic Christian schools I never went to public schools until like Hurricane Katrina hit and then we had to go to Texas and we just had to go to the school that my cousins went to because 
where else are we gonna go you know but religion like up until i guess college is is when i started questioning things like um so this isn't the only way i can be according to these like test the ten commandments but that's you know going to school too like you still read about you have religion classes you know you go to mass at school along with going to mass on sunday it's a lot of church a lot of standing up and sitting down and standing up (laughs) so for me i just learned like that's not the only way for me to be like i can respect that you go to church and all that and i respect that that's what you want to if that's who you want to praise but me personally i don't even know if i identify with any type of religion or spirituality i would say that i'm spiritual just because i have an appreciation for like humanity and nature and animals and life and just like the elements i have all that appreciation but i don't necessarily identify with one religion but that's to say that everything's beautiful you know as long as you ain't saying that you hate somebody you know and trying to say that this religion is like hateful it's 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 the people in it you know mm-hmm. so you're a lover of the elements in life mm-hmm. uh, what is an element that you want people to think of when they think of Noah sun sun yeah awesome well if there's nothing else to add no we'll wrap this up so thank you so much for your time yeah thanks I appreciate you sharing your story and I hope that it resonates with at least one person but I know it's gonna resonate with a lot so thank you so much thanks